Jesus, Jesus. Thank you guys for tuning in on my Facebook Live, on my um, on my podcast, Dr. Pearly Martin, Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Today, we're going to be Rhema reading. We're going to be Rhema reading the word of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 14. We get ready to see what it is, what it is, what it is, Lord. What do you want to, want to show us? What do you want us to hear? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. You guys ready for this rhema word read? I was just inviting a few people in before I got started. Okay, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to 1 Corinthians 14. Let's see what the word of the Lord is speaking to us. Yesterday was talking about how um, love, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it's gentle, all right, it's long-suffering. It does not think evil, but it rejoices in good, it doesn't rejoice in evil. We don't want God to get people, we want God to, people's lives to be transformed and changed, right? Let's see, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, 14. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if I'm going to be here long as um, it's whatever the Lord say, right? We're just frame up word, reading, reading the word of the Lord <clears throat> on line upon line, precept upon precept. Um, You guys, if you need more deeper details, go to my, uh, go to my podcast, Arthur Pearly Martin, Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. I do a lot of teaching over there. Here, I'm just basically just reading the word of the Lord, Okay. We're reading 1 Corinthians 14 NLT. I believe you guys should go and study and study and study, not just read the word, but study the word of the living God. If we say, if the word, as we're reading, if he, if something pops out to you, ask the Lord, oh Lord, what do you mean by that? He said, if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, that we, he would fill us. And I don't know about you, but I'm needy for Jesus and I'm hungering and I'm thirsting. This is really just my way of spending time with the Lord in the beginning of my day. That's what I'm doing because whether I'm on here or not, this is what I'm going to do, right? He said, let your love be your highest goal. First Corinthians 14 NLT, New Living Translation. He said, but you should also desire the special ability, the abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. One translation said that we should covet to prophesy, right? He's getting ready to tell us why. Good morning, my beautiful, oh, my beautiful Liz. Good morning. You guys can share this, um, share this uh, video with some of your friends. Share it with some of your friends. Okay, hit the share button and share it. Love you, my beautiful sister. It says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special ability that spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For you, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be speaking only to God, right? Because when we're praying in tongues, we're praying by the spirit to the spirit, directly to God. Praying in, in tongues is like praying. I know you don't want to come on. <laughs> you want to come on live? <laughs> you want to come on so we can see you? I mean, it's good. You want to come on? <laughs> uh, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. So praying in tongues. When we pray in tongues, we're praying, we're talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. So it's better to prophesy because when you pray in tongues, 
people can't understand you, of course, unless the Lord give you interpretation. He said, you will be speaking by the power of the spirit when we pray in tongues. When we pray, no man knows the spirit of a man except the spirit. When we're praying in tongues, we're praying the perfect will of the Lord. You will be speaking by the power of the spirit, but it will be, it will be mysterious because but one who prophesies, he strengthens others. He encourages them and comforts them. Edif edification, exhortation, confirmation. He, he strengthens them, encourages them, and, co and comforts them. So covet, it's okay to covet the things of the Lord. He said covet, we should covet to prophesy, right? But one who prophesies, they strengthen others, encourage them, and comfort them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. Let's covet, covet to prophesy, right? For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone else interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. He's talking to the church here. He's saying, listen, it's good you speak in tongues, but it's better if you prophesy because when you prophesy in church, you know, everybody's going to understand what you're saying. But if you just stand up and just start praying in tongues and there's no interpretation, no one's going to be in, uh, encouraged by that because no one understands what's been saying. He said, I wish you all could speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you all prophesied, for, for prophesy is greater. The speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown tongue language, how would that help you? But if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful, even, even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. We got to make it make sense. And even if the burglar doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they are being called to battle, right? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. This is why, you know, the word of the Lord says, Proverbs says, wisdom is the principal thing. Good morning, beautiful Letha. Wisdom is the principal thing. Well, 1 Corinthians 14. Wisdom is the principal thing, but in all I get and get some understanding. Because without understanding, people don't know what we're saying, right? So wisdom is the principal thing, but all you're getting, get some understanding. Um, the parable of the source says, that's one of the ways that the devil is able to steal the word when we don't understand, right? You can't have faith with something you don't understand. Wisdom is the principal thing, but in all you're getting, we got to get some understanding. I got to know what you're saying. I got to be able to understand what you're saying. So when I write stuff, I try to make it real simple. I try to make it so simple that anyone who can read, a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, if they know how to read, that they will be able to read what I'm saying. The simplicity of the gospel without understanding the devil is going to steal the word without so in all you're getting get some understanding wisdom is the principal thing but in all you're getting we need to get some understanding i'm, I'm reading this word and i need to know how to do it I'm, i need to understand what you're saying lord father we just thank you for a rhema word we thank you for opening giving us ears to hear eyes to see and a heart to receive father we thank you for a rhema word for a revealed word 
Father, we want to hear what you hear. We want to know what you know. He says, verse 10, there are many different languages in the world and every language has many. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, right? You go to a country, a foreigner, and you don't understand their language, you are a foreigner. Why? Because you don't understand. It makes you an outsider because I don't understand what you're saying. And the one who speaks, it will be like a foreigner to me. He's speaking to me. I don't understand him. I'm speaking to him. He don't understand me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the spirit gives, he says, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Covet to prophesy. Covet to prophesy. Covet to prophesy. 13. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what it's saying, right? So do you guys understand that when we're praying in tongues, that our spirit is praying, it's praying down. It's a direct line to the father when we pray in tongues, it's his language. He can understand what we're saying, but we need to ask the Lord to give us interpretation so we can know what we're saying. He says, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. You know, I mean, when you're praying in your closet, you're praying in your private time, that's you and God. But when you're in a, a church assembly and everybody's praising the Lord and everything gets quiet and you're still standing, standing up there and you start praying in tongues, somebody should have the interpretation, okay? Because that's not going to be in order. Somebody needs to be able to interpret what you're saying so everyone can be edified. He says, well, then what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. We need to pray in the spirit, pray in tongues, but pray in, in, in English too, in our own language. He said, I will sing in the spirit and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? He's talking about corporate worship here. He's talking about when they're in public. How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? And you know what? This is kind of true, too. Like when we tell people, well, I'm going to pray for you, but then we don't pray for them right then and there. How do they know what you're saying? That's good that you're praying for them and, and, you, and you should. But why not just go on and pray where two or three are joined together? If, if any two should touch and agree, why, why not just go on and pray for them right there so they can hear the prayer of faith and have faith also? Why not just pray for them right there? It says you will be giving thanks very... But if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear it because they're not going to understand what's being said. He said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, he's talking about in a church meeting, in a corporate setting, he said, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He's some in corporate worship, not in your own private prayer time, but in corporate worship. It's so important that people understand what you're saying, when especially when it comes to the word of the Lord, because they can't have faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So if I don't understand the word of the Lord, if I don't understand, then faith is not going to come. I can't have faith for something I don't understand. I can't believe something that I don't understand. Verse 20, it says, dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, when it comes to evil, but be mature. He said, be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. He's trying to 
He's, he's trying to bring some order to the church. He's saying, don't just be standing up praying in tongues and there's no interpretation and people don't understand what you're saying. It's not, it doesn't edify anyone. Verse 23, 21, he said, it is written in the scripture, I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign, is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown tongue, they would think you are crazy. It's like, what in the world is going on up in here? But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly amongst us. Isn't that what the woman at the well said when Jesus went to Samaria? He said, she said, I met a prophet because he knew everything there was about me. <laughs> he said, go and tell. <laughs> she went, the woman at the well, you know, the one that had the five husbands, but wasn't married to none of them. The one that Jesus met, the Samaritan woman, the one that he went out of his way because he had an appointment for it. He had an assignment for it. Has God taken you out of your way? Sometimes when you, when he takes you out of the way, when you're not going your way, when things aren't going your way, it could be because things are going God's way. He said, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, like now, he said, one sing, another one would teach, another would tell special revelations God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything is done, everything that is done must strengthen all of you. It must edify everyone. When we come together, one should have a song, one should have a hymn, one should have special revelation knowledge. Uh, it should, we should be able to edify one another. 27, no more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time and someone must interpret what they say. We're talking about order in the church, right? But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meetings and speak in tongues to God privately. He said, let two or three people prophesy, let the other evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. He's talking about, why is Because God is not the author of confusion. The devil is the author of confusion, the words say. God is not the author of confusion. He said, in this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after the other so that everyone will learn and be encouraged remember that people who prophesy is in control of their spirit and can and can take turns we are in so <laughs> the the spirit of a man is subject to the man the the person who prophesies in control of their spirit and they and they can take turns you can hold it and wait for the next person for god is not a god of disorder for god is not the art of confusion one translation god is not a god of disorder he's not when you see chaos and confusion and they say is god i'm telling you god is not the author of confusion but god is not a god of disorder even in our own personal life when there's confusion just know even in our mind when there's confusion, just know that the devil is present. And we as believers have power and authority to command the spirit of confusion to go to speak. He says, but God is not a God of disorder or a God of confusion, but a peace. As in all the meetings of God, holy people, women should be silent during the church meetings. 
it is not uh, proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. He's talking to the Corinthian church. He's talking about the law of Moses. He says, if they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. They were speaking out of turn. So he said, let, let her go. When she get home, let her ask her husband. This is not saying women can't preach. Let's not take that out of context. Or do you think God's word or originate with you Corinthians? It didn't start with you Corinthians. This is not where the word of the Lord started. Are you the only ones to whom it was given? Are you the only one? Listen, God, God has a million other people who serve the Lord. You're not the only one. Are you the only one to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I'm saying is a command from the Lord himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourself will not be recognized. So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Be eager to prophesy. Covet to prophesy, the word of the Lord says. Covet to prophesy. And don't forbid speaking in tongues. But be sure that everyone is done, everything is done properly and in order. Why? Because God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. He's teaching, he's talking about order in the church house, order in church in the in, in the meetings. Because God is not the author of confusion. He wants people to be able to understand. Stand. He want you want people to be able to understand what you're saying. The same way we want people to be able to understand what we're saying. God wants people to be able to understand what He's saying. Right? He's not withholding any good thing from us. He gave us His only begotten Son. What else is there that He will not freely give us? He said, if we need wisdom, we can come and ask it, ask Him, and He would give it to us freely. Right? What is it we have that we did not receive? He's not trying to withhold any good thing from us. Um, 15, 1 Corinthians 15, he said, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand for a minute. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. See, if you're saved for real, you should continue to believe what, what the word of the Lord say, unless you was really believing something else secretly in your heart. Verse three, I pass on to you what was most important that what has been also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture says. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture says. Christ died for our sins, just like the words say. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the word of the Lord says. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I have been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. The apostle Paul says, this is Paul, the one who named was Saul, the one who used to persecute the church. He's writing this to the Corinthian church. He said, I'm the least of them, the way I used to persecute Christians and have them killed. Verse 10, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, the favor of God that's on you. The reason I'm like I am now is because of the favor, God, grace and his mercy and the favor of God that's on us and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his faith. So it makes no difference whether I preach 
or they preach. For we all preach the same message. You have already believed. This is not a competition. This is not a competition. This is about lifting up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a competition. You know, the Apostle Paul said, some preach to make things harder for me. Some preach to, because out of uh, envy, some preach to mock the gospel. He said, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, Christ is still being preached. Whatever their motive is, Christ is still being preached. You know, this is not competition. We are the body of Christ and we all been given a race to run. Okay. We're all been given a race to run. So run your race. Stay focused. Keep your eyes on the prize because you're going to be most effective doing what God has anointed you to do. Verse 12, but we're all called, we're all called. The end goal is to make sure people know about the Lord Jesus Christ. You, the, If you're called, even if you if you have a pulpit ministry, when you're in the grocery store, you're the pastor, you're the evangelist, you're the prophet. No one is exempt from telling people about the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. No one is exempt from praying for people. No one is exempt from laying hands on the sick. We are called to do the work of the ministry, right? We're called to do the work of the ministry. We have to be doers of the word. It's not just enough to know the word, but we actually have to be doers of the word. For it's the doer of the word that's blessed and not the hearers only. Um, um, we are all called to be ambassadors of Christ Jesus, ministers or reconciliators. That's our identity in Christ Jesus. That's part of our identity. Corinthians um, tells us that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, look, see all things have become new. Let's continue with this. He says, for if there is no resurrection, because some, some faiths don't believe that Jesus resurrected. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. If you don't believe in the resurrection, and if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. What is the purpose of preaching? And your faith is, is useless. Good morning, um, Nora. First Corinthians 15. 1515. And we apostles will all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. If, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised, right? And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. What is the purpose of all of this? He's talking to the Corinthian church and he's talking to us too, for those who don't believe. And we apostles will be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope is in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than any in this world, right? But in fact, Christ has been raised. Excuse me. In fact, you too, Nora. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Christ has, we, you know, my grandbabies, we were talking about this Sunday after church and we were talking about, well, how do you know when something is real and something is not? And he's like, listen, you have to believe, we must believe in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that Jesus Christ is the only way, he is the only truth, and he is the only life. We, we must believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth these things, but in our heart, we believe under salvation. 
we must believe. But in fact, and, and, and if, if any man come to you preaching any other gospel, let that one be a curse. That is not true. Don't even say farewell to them. The um, apostle Paul tells us the word of the Lord. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the death has begun through another man. By one man, just as everyone died because we all belong to Adam, by one man's disobedience, everyone who belonged to Christ will be given new life. But there is there is an order to the resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belongs to Christ will be raised when he comes back. He is the firstborn. He is the firstborn of many brothers. Listen, by one man's disobedience, we were all made sinners, Adam. By one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, we were all made righteous. We are in right standings with Christ because of what Jesus Christ did. The blood of Jesus has redeemed us. We owed a debt that we could not pay. And this is why he said, listen up. Your body is not your own. It's been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 24, after that, the end will come when, when he will turn the kingdom over to God, the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles, until he put all of his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to, to be destroyed is death. For the scripture says, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that that does not include God himself who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the son will put himself under God's authority so that God who gave his son authority over all things will be utterly supreme over everything everywhere. If the dead will not be raised, what is the what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do you why is it useless? Why do it useless? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? I'm sorry. And why should we ourselves risk our lives hour by hour? He's saying, listen, if this is not true, he's talking to the grand church. He's talking to, he, listen, he's talking to unbelievers too. If this is not true, our, our faith is in vain. You're trying to say that everything that, everything that the word of the Lord is saying is a lie. If this is not true, if there is no resurrection, he's talking to him. He's talking, he might be talking to some of us. He might be talking to some people that come on, listen on replay and say, well, Jesus was just a good man. He's not the son of God. We believe in, in, in Jehovah, but we just believe Jesus was a prophet. Well, you know, this is this is that. And why should and why should we ourselves risk our lives? Our Bible? For, I, for I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride and what Christ Jesus our Lord has done in you. And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people, Ephesus, if there would be no resurrection from the dead? And if there's no resurrection, let, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things. Listen, don't be fooled by those who say, well, Jesus was just a good prophet. We don't believe he was the son of God. He was just a good prophet. Don't believe that. Don't be fooled by those who say things for, for bad company. Listen to this. Bad company corrupts good character. Listen, the word of the Lord said, hang with evil, become evil. Hang with wise, become wise. How does that work? Why? Because to fellowship with something, you have to walk in agreement with it. To walk in agreement with something, you have to walk in submission to it. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company ruin good morals, one translation say. 34, think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. 
But someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it first dies. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow. This body that that's this body that's going to the dirt. This body is going back to the dirt. He said, what you put in the ground is not the, that is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. The seed is within itself. The word of the Lord says, one translation, the seed is within itself and it will produce after its own kind, right? An apple seed is going to produce an apple tree. A seed is within itself. Similarities, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for human and another for animals, another for birds and another for fish. There are also bodies in heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly body is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. It's not the same. Right? The glory from the heavenly bodies is different from the earthly body. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. In the same way, with the resurrection of the dead, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die. Listen, our earthly body, this flesh body, is planted in the ground when we die, right? But they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness. Listen, this will happen to your loved ones that was born again, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a living spirit, right? But what comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Hi guys, this is Dr. Pearlie Martin. Remember to pick up all my books online at Dr. Pearlie Martin. Um, at Amazon, Barnes and Nobles under Pearly Martin Books. You guys remember to like this, uh, to subscribe to this podcast, help support this podcast, hit that subscribe button. And, and you guys make sure that you share the link. But more than anything, you guys stroll through here. I have over 200 some episodes. Stroll through here and see if God has a word for you. Again, this is Arthur Pearly Martin with Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. You guys be blessed. And like I always say, keep looking for what's good in your day so you can see God's goodness all throughout your day.